You're now listening to a Real Media Network production. Welcome back to Come About, a minute-by-minute rewatch podcast of Titanic. Here we are at minute 74. I'm Mike Brace, and I'm here with my wife, Jenna. Hello. Yeah. So what happened during this minute, Jenna? Well, Michael, we... um, So at the end of the last minute, you see this guy going up to the captain in the bridge... Yes. And he is giving him a warning about some icebergs um, reported by another ship. Um, and then in this minute, you see the, the continuation of that conversation. So the captain just, you know, thanks him, whatever. And his name is something Sparks. Yeah. Um, and so what's happening is... Um, Rose and Ruth and Cal are getting a tour of the ship with Thomas Andrews. And um, so when they overhear that, you know, Rose looks a little frightened by that. And the captain just kind of reassures her, saying, like, don't worry. We get these types of warnings all the time, especially, you know, this time of the year. It's quite common. And to, you know, show her how, I guess, confident they are, he says, you know, we're even picking up speed and that he just ordered for the last broiler to be turned on. Um, And then you see it. I, I knew of this scene when I watched it. But just watching it now and yeah. like really paying yeah. attention, you He's see like, how ridiculous yeah. Jack is scaling, scaling. Yeah. the ship yeah. to get up onto the, 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 the deck where I guess it's only for first class passengers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're willing to scale the ship, you might as well just jump the gate or something on the stairs. Like, what looks more suspicious? Yeah, seriously, yeah, if you got caught doing that, yeah, Yeah. like, you would be in so much more trouble. (laughs) Um, anyways, so he, you know, climbs over the railing, and you see this little scene of a boy playing with, um, is that a ladle? Or is that just, like, a yo-yo, or? That is a, uh, well, it's a a top. Oh, top, spinner top. Yeah, a top. Um. Anyway, so he's playing with that, and his father and maybe grandfather are watching him, having a little conversation. And while that's going on in the background, you see Jack stealing um, a top hat and a jacket, and he puts that on to try to disguise himself, I guess, as a first-class passenger, which is... Okay, anyways, that's fine. I have a lot of information about that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And then you see a scene of um, Rose is walking with Thomas Andrews and Ruth and Cal are behind them. And Rose is just saying that, you know, she she did, did the, the math, math in her head. Yeah, and she's like, you know, there's not enough lifeboats for everybody. And he's like, you're right, they're only about half. And she's kind of, you know, taken aback by that again. Um, and he does say a line that he wanted some... Well, Davits? Davits. Davits. What's that mean? A davit is any of various crane-like devices used on a ship for supporting, raising, and lowering equipment, such as boats and anchors. Oh. Okay, Davit seem- systems are most often used to lower an emergency lifeboat to the embark- uh, oh. embarkation, okay. embarkation well, level. Well, the way he said it, I thought it was something that made it for them to have more lifeboats. Well, yeah. Anyways. He um, said he had these new type of davits or whatever that would let them put in another row of lifeboats okay instead of having this walkway Mm -hmm. there would have been more lifeboats with these new type of davits that could i don't know maybe lower two lifeboats at once or something okay so he says that and the uh, minute is ending with him saying but it was thought by some so you know he's gonna say somebody didn't want that and that's why there's not more lifeboats so i wonder if that's something that really happened Mm. yeah uh okay so uh do you want to know a little bit about sparks I want to know a lot about Sparks. I don't know if I have that much about Sparks. Okay. So anyway, so he's I, real. Yes. Well, what I wanted to do was uh, search up like what crew member was named Sparks, like who if that was their last name. Mm-hmm. I think it's a nickname because when you search Titanic crew member Sparks, uh-huh. it comes up with Jack Phillips, who was the wireless officer okay. of the Titanic. So I'm guessing that's him. So he was a uh, British sailor and senior wireless operator aboard the Titanic during its ill-fated maiden voyage in April 1912. Born April 11th, 1887. Died April 15th, 1912. Aww, so he, he died. Didn't make it. Nope. And he tried. He was only 25 years old. Aww, and he yeah, he's so the baby. On the final evening, Phillips had been exceptionally busy clearing a backlog of messages caused by a wireless breakdown. His consequent failure to respond to incoming signals is cited as a principal cause of the disaster. So a lot of people blame this guy, even though he's depicted in this movie being like, here you go, here's a warning. Um, So when the steamship... um, Mesaba? Mesaba? Mm-hmm. sent an ice alert he acknowledged it but failed to pass it on to the bridge mm-hmm. another from the nearby ss californian was ignored altogether after they strike the struck the iceberg however phillips did his utmost to contact other ships for assistance he died in the sinking um yeah i mean it doesn't sound too great if 
yeah, he was ignoring things. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, yeah, pass that information along. Hmm. Uh, do you want to hear a little bit more? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going into his time aboard the ship. So on the evening of April 14th, in the wireless room on the boat deck, Phillips was sending messages to Cape Race, Newfoundland, working to clear a black backlog of passengers' personal messages that had accumulated when the wireless had broken down the day before. Hmm. Um, so someone else, uh, Harold Bride, I'm guessing he was another type of officer or something, was asleep in the adjoining cad cabin, intending to relieve Phillips at midnight, two hours, uh, intending to relieve him two hours early. Shortly after, um... 9.30, Phillips received an ice warning from the steamship Mesaba, reporting a large number of icebergs in an ice field directly in Titanic's path. Phillips acknowledged Mesaba's warning and continued to transmit messages to Cape Race. Mesaba's wireless operator waited for P Phillips to report that he had given the report. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm reading this all wrong. So that ship's operator waited for Phillips to report back to them that he had reported that report to the bridge. There's just so many reports in yeah. that in that sentence. But Phillips continued working with Cape Race. The message was one of the most important warnings Titanic received, but it was never delivered to the bridge. Yikes. Mm. Um, and this guy comes up quite a bit. Uh, second officer Charles Lightoller. Mm -hmm. reports in his autobiography Phillips explains when I said that I did not collect any Mesaba report I just put the message under a paperweight at my elbow just until I squared up what I was doing before sending it to the bridge that delay proved fatal and was the main contributory cause to the loss of that magnificent ship and hundreds of lives had I as officer of the watch or the captain become aware of the peril lying so close ahead and not instantly slowed down or stopped, we should have been guilty or culpable of criminal negligence. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of his so like, crew members did not. Yeah, well, this is like... And they survived, uh, obviously. Yeah, this guy, yeah. yeah. Okay, wow. Ooh. Yeah, not... Yeah, pretty pretty rough it's um, kind of interesting how you have brought up the fact that this movie has turned a couple of real yeah, life people right? and spun them negatively yeah yeah and then this and one's then they like take this guy who, who it, it does yeah. seem pretty pretty responsible for and the whole disaster they, like in a know, big way he's just Kind of he's a, yeah doing his job line. here <laughs> yeah yeah doing his I don't think job. he really shows up much yeah because now it's kind of turning I don't remember what you said about Captain Smith good or bad but it's kind of making him seem like he's just brushing it off and brushing like off. yeah because at first when like Ismay was like oh let's go faster he was like no we don't need to do that it's yeah. fine. And then, like, yeah, obviously he got to him saying, like, no, this is going to be great. It's your it's your retirement, and, like, everyone's going to love it. But so, it wasn't his retirement, right? Yeah. He was going to go to another ship? Mm, Anyways. I don't know if we really determined that. Or it just wasn't his... Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't remember exactly what yeah. that was about. But, yeah, no, it, like, it seemed like then he was against the whole idea. But now he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't care. If there's warning, that's fine. We're going to be fine. Um, and, 
yeah, so yeah, I do find that pretty interesting where it's like, this guy made a lot of mistakes that yeah. needed, so there's, there's even more. Um, at 10.55, uh, Phillips was again interrupted by another ship, this time the SS Californian, the California's only wireless operator, Cyril Evans, was reporting that they were stopped and surrounded by ice. Californian's relative proximity and the fact that both Evans and Phillips were using spark gap wireless sets whose signals bled across the spectrum and were impossible to tune out meant that Evans' signal was strong and loud in Phillips' ears, while the signals from Cape Race were faint to Phillips and inaudible to Evans. Phillips quickly sent back, keep out, shut up, I'm working with Cape Race. So, <laughs> and continued communicating with Cape Race while Evans listens a while longer before going to bed for the night. So this other ship's like, mm -hmm. listen, you're really close. We're surrounded by ice. And like, he's giving him this warning. And <laughs> this guy's like, shut up, man. I'm trying to do other work. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, I think we're really, we I found also, the person, like, completely. If they were so close, how come this is the first I remember hearing about a Californian ship? Yeah. Why didn't they go? To that Unless ship? they were just really uh, Well, I think they were, yeah, well, ice. they were, yeah, I think they were, they just weren't moving, right? And the Carpathia was probably in a clear yeah. path or whatever, mm -hmm. and, like, um, and they weren't moving surrounded by ice. So uh, it can be argued that this communication had important consequences. Firstly, yeah. Evans was giving a warning of ice, which, if heated, could have prevented Titanic sinking. Secondly, the Californian was the closest ship to Titanic. As the radio had been switched off by Evans, Phillips had no way to communicating with the Californian should Titanic require immediate assistance, which she which she very soon did. However, others point out that several ice warnings had already been received and communicated to the captain, so he was aware that there was ice in the area and a lookout had been posted. Furthermore, Evans did not request that the message be delivered to the bridge, and the crew of the Californian did see the rockets from the Titanic at um, 12.45 oh, yeah. and woke their captain, Stanley Lord, who chose to ignore the rockets and return to bed. Yikes. This is really, really, really not, nothing good is happening right now. No. Uh, Titanic struck an iceberg at uh, 1140 that night and began sinking. Bride, I don't know. It keeps talking about this other person. I'm not sure who this bride person is. Um... Bride had woken up and begun getting ready to relieve Phillips when Captain Edward Smith entered the wireless room and told Phillips to prepare to send out a distress signal. Shortly after midnight, Captain Smith came in again and told them to send out the call for assistance and gave them Titanic's estimated position. Phillips began sending out the distress signal code CQ, CQD while Bride took messages to Captain Smith about which ships were coming to Titanic's assistance. At one point, Bride jokingly reminded Phillips that the new call was SOS and said, I said send that. SOS, it's the new call, and it may be your last chance to send it. Okay, okay. I yeah. know in a previous yes. episode I had mentioned this, and you looked it up and you said no, SOS had been used for X amount of, years, of yeah. years by that point. Yeah, but I guess just not... 
I don't know. Yeah. No, I remember we looked it up and it had been like in use for like, I don't know, I think since like 1908 or something. I don't know. No, I know. I know you said that. But um, a myth, oh, a myth developed after the disaster with this was the first time SOS was used, but mm-hmm. had been used on other ships previously. Mm-hmm. Um, Phillips was able to contact the RMS Carpathia, which headed for the scene. After taking a quick break, Phillips returned to the wireless room and reported to Bride the forward part of the Sh- ship was um, flooded. Okay, yep. no. Uh, Kate, what does CQD mean? Oh, yeah. SOS is Save Our Souls. Or does it mean something else? Um, CQD is one of the first distress signals adopted for radio use on uh, January 7th, 1904. Oh, okay. I was wrong. About? SOS. It doesn't mean save our souls. Well, I guess it's... It can mean something else. What? Save our ship. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, um, it doesn't, um, it just, land telegraphs had adopted the convention of using CQ to, uh, um, which, from the French words, security, uh, mm. to identify alerts or precautionary messages of interest to the state, uh, it's just all the stations on the telegraph line, and they added D to mean distress. So, I guess it kind of means security alert, or, or uh, security distress. Okay. Weird. But then, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and then, it, and then it switched over to SOS, because the this distress signal soon became known as, okay, well, no, and then they're talking about SOS, and it's just, um, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Um, do you want to... I just quickly looked up CQD. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just saying that it was a general call um, indicating distress and requires immediate assistance. And this goes on to say, at the time of Titanic sinking, the Marconi Wireless Company CQD was still in common oh. use... Although yeah. it had officially been replaced by the well-known SOS, mm, okay. which does not mean save our souls. Mm. Okay, sorry. This uh, Harold uh, Harold Bride that I keep, he was the yeah. junior wireless operator um, mm. that I kind of keep coming across. Uh, or I, oh. I've been mentioning. Hold on. I just closed it. Well, she was it. much older, which is kind of... Oh, wait. No, he survived. He survived. That's why he was older. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm seeing another article saying that the Marconi company suggested the use of CQD for a distress signal, although generally accepted to mean, um, okay, so I guess it, people thought it meant come quick danger. Oh. That, that is not the case. Oh. It is in general CQ followed by D meaning distress, a strict 
interpretation would be all stations distressed. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Wikipedia says it's CQ based on the pronunciation of CQ by the French word sécurité. Uh, and C- so CQ, mm-hmm. as if you're pronouncing out the mm-hmm. word CQ in mm-hmm. French. Um, and then they put D on the end mm-hmm. to be. But come quick, danger makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that. Okay. Come quick, danger. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, just real quick finishing it off about his stuff. So after a quick break, Phillips returned to the wireless room and reported to Bride. His, the junior wireless operator. The forward part of the ship was flooded, and they should put on more clothes and life belts. Um, Bride began to get ready while Phillips went back to work on the wireless machine. The wireless power was almost completely out shortly after 2, when Captain Smith arrived and told the men that they had already done their duty and were relieved. Bride later remembered being moved by the way Phillips continued working. While their backs were turned, a crew member, either a stoker or trimmer, sneaked in and attempted to steal Phillips's lifeboat. Bride, outraged at a man's behavior, at the man's behavior, attacked the man and might have hit him with an object. <laughs> the water was beginning to flood the wireless room as they both ran out of the wireless room, leaving the motionless cr- crewman where he fell. Ooh. So. Murder. He kind of killed this guy. The men then split up, Bride headed, heading forward and Phillips heading aft. This was the last time Bride saw Phillips. So conflicting and contradictory information led to the popular belief that Phillips possibly managed to make it to the overturned lifeboat B, which was in charge of second officer Charles Lightoller, along with Harold Bride. But uh, didn't last the night. In his New York Times interview, Bride said that a man from lifeboat lifeboat B was dead, and that he was, and that he, nope, and that as he boarded the Carpathia, he saw that the dead man was Phillips. Um, however, Bride, when testifying in the Senate inquiry, changed his story, saying that he only, that he had only been told that Phillips died on Collapsible B and was later buried at sea from Carpathia and had not witnessed this for himself. <laughs> so, oh, this guy, another person, uh, that just keeps coming up and has apparently seen everything and knows everyone. In his book, Colonel Archibald Gracie <laughs> said a body was transferred from the collapsible... He was in a lot of places. In a lot of places. He kind of knew everything and everyone. Uh, so he said that a body was transferred from collapsible from the collapsible onto boat 12, but said that the body was definitely not that of Phillips. He reported that when speaking to Lightoller, the second officer agreed with him that the body wasn't Phillips. In Lightoller's Senate inquiry testimony, he says that Bride told him that Phillips had been been aboard and died on the boat, but it was clear that Lightoller never saw this for himself. And then, okay, so this just goes on. No, he just seems to have, like, his memory and recollection is too sharp for somebody who's going through, like, a huge tragic event. Yeah, because then he 
died that like he died in December of that year right. and people said that he it was like from complications and like yeah things so uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't think a normal person going through like a traumatic event like that is going to be able to recall such specific he uh, was very observational yeah if if what he I guess says like he's like true. a colonel like I don't know yeah, he's obviously military I mean, and like very yeah yeah okay, like fine. focused on things I don't, know. I don't know I don't remember if he's a good or bad no I think he's a good okay. person well, then I'll yeah him. like he um I don't know he was the one that like suggested to Cal that they do something more than the twenty dollars or something like that oh, which okay, is like in the movie yeah yeah in the movie yes yeah <laughs> like cow <laughs> yeah oh yeah this fictional event that occurred so anyway yeah, yeah maybe i do have more um about this but we could probably i think yeah could cause probably this say this right? gonna yeah keep going. but i have a lot about the jacket and hat oh, yeah. that he okay. took okay. i mean we do see it again too, yeah so. yeah okay. i think we must see more but i think yeah i think that'll about do us right Wait. for now let's go uh, to bed thanks for listening <laughs> bye see you in a minute